Right now on Source Pages, we are going to journey to Gotham, an ill-advised move, but a necessary one, as we can talk about Batman so we can get prepared for the Batman, the new Warner Brothers flick coming out on March 4th. That adventure much more awaits, but first. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time for the podcast. Welcome back, fellow Gothamites. I'm Selena Kyle. No, oh, I wish. I'm Haley Hobbs. <laughs> I am vengeance. I am the night. I am. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm Brian V. Klein. That's going to play so well over people's speakers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and we are here on Source Pages to cover comics for The Batman, which comes out on March 4th. Matt Reeves' take on uh, our Gotham Knight. And today we have a super special guest with us, a first-timer to Source Pages, Mr. Andrew Rogers of the Animation Deliberation Podcast. Hello, Andrew, welcome. <laughs> Hello, Thanks, <there>. guys. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, uh, it is really an honor to be here. I am so excited. I have been a fan of Source Pages from the first podcast. So to be out here actually on the show is kind of awesome to know how far things have come. Sealing your fate of coming back. We like compliments so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know my audience. <laughs> well, and we appreciate you bringing the opportunity to actually cover Batman because we wanted you to guest and then you kind of chose what you wanted to guest on. And that's awesome because this is going to be our first journey into the DC comic verse. Yeah, for sure. I mean, full disclosure for anyone who doesn't know my background, as much as I love Marvel, I've, I do the movies, I'm a fan of the podcast here. DC is kind of where I actually hang my hat in terms of my interests. So to actually have something that's going on that we could talk about is kind of exciting. For sure. Well, again, we appreciate you being here. And we're kind of going to do, I think, a little different format today than we've been doing, especially with the Star Wars coverage. Yes. Ryan, do you have anything to add? Um, not as much as that. We're probably, we're just going to do like a, what we think is going to happen with the movie. And then we'll basically discuss the two titles that we have year one and along Halloween, which again, if you don't have the DC infinity and limited, whatever it's called app, infinite universe, <laughs> infinite universe, yes. uh, both of these are on HBO max as animated movies, which Again, 
I'm one of those guys that is very easy to please. I like the DC stuff. I've liked all of the movies, some better than others. Their animated movies, though, are just phenomenal, are fantastic. All of them. I mean, the, if you, some of them, like Long Halloween was great. The Dark Knight Returns, which is a two part one, uh, Killing Joke, pretty much these seminal titles are just the way that it's done. It's, it's, it's great. It, like I said, their live action stuff is kind of hit or miss, but at the end of the day, I like all this stuff. And I was just mentioning too, where I've been reading. I just got done reading. You ever, Andrew, do you read any of the metal or death metal stuff? The dark Knights on the DC? Um, no, I do not. Okay. It's pretty much just like their crisis. And it's, it, it's so weird out there. I mean, there's a version of wonder woman that has the chainsaw of truth instead of the lasso of truth. And <laughs> well, then. it's just, yeah, it's pretty much like, every type of just version of them. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, it's something that might be something we could delve with down the road. You know, we always talk about how, when we have no content, but right now all of a sudden <laughs> we have this lull in content and we've been doing nothing, but literally putting out an episode every week. So yeah, yeah this is actually yeah. our last week was our, we got 25 episodes under our belt and that's just yeah. like, <laughs> Wow. A little, little show that we were just, you know, doing it just to have some fun has been, it's still fun, but now it's just like, okay, we're doing it. We got a schedule. <laughs> I joke about how it's like, oh, I'm telling Liz, I go, oh, I got homework to do. I got to read comics. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we take notes. It's a whole thing, you guys. <laughs> I yes. will say I give you guys a lot of credit because getting ready for this, I was like, oh, this is a lot of work. I got to read. I got to know everything. I got to do some notes, make sure that I'm ready too. And I'm just a guest. You're doing this every week. Yeah. <laughs> we got a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's fun. With the, the Star Wars stuff, we got a lot more like in-depth into reading because Star Wars is my wheelhouse. I've had a couple of people, I, I didn't realize how many times I've said that on the show, where I had some <laughs> message like, you should make up a shirt that says that. I go, all right. <laughs> you know, that's kind of cool because, I mean, that's the, my Brian's one. birthday is in November. <laughs> right down. <laughs> which, by the way, for people that didn't, I don't th I think we did mention it. I got a birthday gift from Haley, which is the Source Pages logo on a t-shirt. And then I didn't even realize it like right away, but on the back it says, never judge a book by its movie. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even see that at first because I was so it was like a week later. It was amazing. <laughs> like, so do you have one of those five-star reviews that we got? I surely do. All right. This one comes from our lowly one. That's the best I can do. Wait a second. That's the doctor from last week, wasn't it? Or no, that was Thurlurly. That was Thurlurly. Thurlurly. <laughs> the Star Wars doctor. Maybe it's. Is this a Star Wars? Is this a Star Wars? It's a Star Wars character writing into. Yeah. R, maybe it's just R L O L Y 1. I don't know. That's how it's spelled. <laughs> really like listening to this podcast. I don't read the comics, and this podcast is a great way to learn where the story or characters come from. Very easy listen. Love listening while I'm at work. Well, thank you, Sarah's character. <laughs> That's awesome. Again, we love having these reviews come in. It's still humbling to know that there's people out there that listen to our show and follow us and all that good stuff. So keep it coming. We definitely appreciate it. And, you know, We'll keep making it if you want us to keep making the show. So that's about it. So I think we could just start off by doing a little bit of what we come to expect or are going to expect from this movie. A little distale of Tate Matt Reeves. It's coming out on March 4th. It is a long movie too, 176 minutes, which I saw people were complaining about it. And I'm like, you guys have, how many times did you see uh Endgame in the theaters? You know, once <laughs> I think I saw it 15 or 16 times. Literally, it was just because of my AMC's stubs A list. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, come on. Why be normal? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, it was this was the one that originally was going to be a collaboration that Ben Affleck was going to star in, write, produce, do all that stuff. And then he got kind of sidetracked and didn't want to produce it or didn't want to direct it. And then the next thing you know, it was just like, he doesn't want to be Batman anymore. So it went I to, 
Matt <laughs> Reeves, who, you know, he's probably most famous, at least on my eyes, for doing the last two installments in the new Planet of the Apes trilogy. So, which were, you know, the War for the Planet of the Apes is one of those. I love that movie so much, but I literally can only watch it like once a year because it's such a heavy movie. It's like Logan, where you watch it, you're watching like a cinematic masterpiece, but at the end of it, it's just like, that took a lot out of you. You know, it's just very heavy. Yes. And, it, and it, I think that type of style, especially with the character that we're going to see from Bruce Wayne in this one, is going to be very, you know, heavy in that sense. But I also think that it's going to be, you know, a Batman movie too. So what do you guys I think uh, what they do you look think? like they're really going to explore the Selena Bruce relationship, which I'm, I'm excited for that because we haven't gotten that in a really well fleshed out sense, I'd say Batman returns is probably the best and it's rushed because it's just a single, you know, installment. And so um, I'm excited to see what they do with that and kind of showing from what it seems like is in the trailer and from also what we read, maybe a more inexperienced Batman. Oh, definitely. That's why I think the the year one is going to be a very good primer to see what type of character this Bruce is going to be. So what are your thoughts there, Andrew? Yeah, I think I saw something a couple weeks ago that said it wasn't going to be an origin story. So I think we're hopefully not going to have the whole training and everything else that we got out of the uh, other Dark Knight films. But I do think we're going to jump in on this early inexperienced Batman, and I'm just excited at the prospect of him actually learning in Gotham. It always felt a lot more of like, oh, he's just here now and doing all the things, and here's a major big bad villain, whereas this is going to be a little bit more of a learning curve in the introduction of you know a villain that honestly didn't even show up in these comics, but I'm really excited to see what happens with the Riddler because he is mm -hmm. one of, I mean, the entire rogues gallery is fantastic, but I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen here because usually in comics, he's very jokey, very jovial. This does not seem like we're, we're going to get in this film. So I think that's going to be the biggest intrigue for me is not just what they do with Batman and Selena, which I agree needs to be more fleshed out, but also the villain side of things being a bit more serious than uh, jokey of what we see. That's true. And the basic premise that they have listed for the, the movie is during his second year of fighting crime, Batman pursues the Riddler, serial killer who targets elite Gotham citizens. He uncovers corruption that connects to his own family during the investigation and is forced to make new allies to catch the Riddler and bring the corrupt to justice. That has a very much year one feel to it where it's he's still getting to learn how to be Batman he finds out that, you know, a lot of the stuff that his dad did was connected to uh, Falcone. And that's also, in Long Halloween. Is that in Long Halloween? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So that's probably where that other uh, that connection is too. And then again, it's like the way that I, I, I've read, I forgot how long ago it was where I watched or read year one, but that last scene in it as we're, you know, we're, just basically going to jump around here a bit is that it's got Gordon sitting there and he goes, I'm waiting for my friend to show up. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. was, you know, you, you don't even have to see who it is. You know that it's Bruce and, or it's Batman. And so that's the one main thing that I noticed that was different between the two is that Harvey Dent played a big part in both of the comic runs and he's not in the movie, which is fine because we don't want to end up having a Batman and Robin situation with Schumacher, where you've got so many villains in it. You can have a rogues gallery, yes. but it's like, you can't focus on something again. This is one where it was sort of like when they re when um, Spider-Man homecoming came out, you don't have to explain his origin. We've already seen it two other times in the last 20 years. Pretty much everyone knows Batman's origins. And even recently, we sort of saw some of it in the, the Joker movie. You know that his parents get gunned down coming outside of the theater. And then by whoever it was, was it a Joker? Was it, you know, a random person? Was it a mugger? Whatever. And that leads him to be to turn to, you know, he's still a billionaire's kid and he comes back from training and he's Batman now. So and 
that's basically what Batman Begins was. And that's probably still fresh in everyone's mind, even though it is 20 years old now. So anyways. Ugh, I hate when people say things like that. <laughs> My birthday is next week. That just makes me hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, I think it's, when did Dark Knight no, you're right. Rises you're right. came out in 2012, right? It's so that's just painful. <laughs> yeah, that's 10 years old now, too. The th- I mean, it, the, that that trilogy finished up 10 years ago. So, yeah. Um, I am. I really, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I'm interested. Uh, you talked about there's a lot of emphasis on he's not Commissioner Gordon, actually, in either of these comic runs that we read. He's, I think, Lieutenant and Captain Gordon. But I wonder who's playing him in this movie. Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Yes. <gasps> oh, that's that's what I was just so going to say. I am oh, so cool. excited for him. So I, they're surely going to focus on him. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. Because he is one of those guys that's, uh, I think I was mainly introduced to him in Boardwalk Empire. And then in um, the name of the movie or the name of the TV show is escaping me. Westworld. He's on both yes. of those shows. And he is such a good presence it's always one of those things that gets me we're like this guy's been acting for a long time and how are we just finding out about him within the last like <laughs> 10 years so yeah we get to see him as gordon another one that i'm kind of i always like this guy in any movie he's in john Turturro is uh carmine falcone so he has that little bit of uh you know, just I always have a thing for any of the people that have seen The Big Lebowski, which if you haven't, again, you got to see that movie. His character in that, uh, Jesus, I always seem to whenever I see him as a character in a movie, it always goes back to that. But then it's just like you realize that a lot of times when you're watching him and you're like, holy crap, I didn't even realize sometimes at first that that was who I was at first, which also I had to go back and watch the trailer a couple times. Because I was blown away by the fact that Colin Farrell is playing Cos- uh, the Penguin, Oswald Cobblepot. He looks nothing like himself in this. This is all new information. <laughs> yeah. That's just yeah, they like, got a really good cast for this. Like, everyone is just phenomenal. Um, I think Paul Dano is going to bust out as being like the breakout guy because he's been in some really good movies, but is sort of not known. And he's playing um, Riddler. So he might be one of those guys that comes out after beginning like, okay, you had to keep looking at some of these movies that he's been in. Uh, we also got, again, I always love seeing this guy in a regular live action role because you always see him as a CGI character. Andy Serkis is playing Alfred. Yes. So seeing him as just a lot. I mean, for the fact that people don't know, he is Gollum, he is Caesar, he is Snoke, he is pretty much, you know, the guy that did it mastered and is the first person that really succeeded in doing the mocap stuff. Yeah. And yeah. let's see, last but not least, we've got Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle Catwoman, which her description here is she's a nightclub waitress, drug dealer, and cat burglar. Yeah, Which, they seem to have really lifted her from the year one run. Right. It's very like ambiguous in the issues we read what she's doing. You can maybe guess based on oh, all the context she was, I, around I think, her. I think she was a she was a prostitute. Yes. Yeah, but they <laughs> yeah. don't like they don't like out now. Say no, like no, no, no. Roommate. <laughs> but I, I can see definitely they're going for that. And her her being drawn to Bruce is very much apparent. So I'm I'm looking right. forward to their partnership. And yes. even even the Selena in year one sort of has that look like Zoe Kravitz has in the trailer we saw, where she's got she's a, a person of color and also has short hair. And so it was just like as soon as I was seeing at first I go, the first time I saw her in the year one, I'm like, wait a second, that's oh my god, that's right, that is Selena. Oh my god, that's right. This is, you know. Again, that move that that book came out in '87. It was written by Frank Miller, who is you know just again a guy that has written so much great content across the board. He did a wonderful run in Daredevil, but his Batman stuff is he's he created the Dark Knight 
that moniker type thing in the eighties for DC where he did the dark Knight and dark Knight returns and stuff like that. And then he also did this. And I think I'm not sure if he did killing joke or not, but he was pretty much one of those guys that was Batman's writer for years. And he's the one that they take a lot of the focus for, for the, um, why am I blanking on the guy that did, uh, the last Batman trilogy. Christopher Nolan. Christopher, yeah, Nolan. Nolan took a lot of his inspiration from Frank Miller's stuff. So, okay, so I guess we could just start talking about year one. It was four issues that came out in, like I said, in 87. And it pretty much just describes Bruce, who came back from his 12-year, what do they call it? His 12-year just like gallivanting around the world. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, he was, oh, he was 12 years abroad, but the whole time he was training. Right. Just watch Batman Begins if you need to have any kind of, uh, you know, understanding of that. I'm not sure in every iteration. Batman is another one of those characters where it's just like his origin story is based the same, but it's like, does Rachel Ghoul always train him or is he trained by, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that depending on. Burton ones, they don't even cover it. It's just. No. It's he's just old man. <laughs> yeah. He's just, you know, yeah. Michael Keaton. And I think that was what the main point of them doing the Nolan side was, is that you get to see his full Batman origin story is how he became the, the crime fighter and stuff like that. Because what's also his other moniker is that he's Batman's the world's greatest detective. So he has that skill to be able to do stuff. Cause technically, I mean, he's got no, I mean, he's like Iron Man where his power is that he's rich and he's got, cool toys and gadgets but he's also got a brain on him too so but i really love that we're i don't think we're gonna see that really aspect to him based no. on the trailer based on what joker says to him in the trailer which really connects to the long halloween they describe bruce in this movie as a reclusive billionaire who obsessively protects gotham as batman he's around 30 years old like we said he's in his second year and he is he can't delineate between being Batman and his reclusive rock star public identity as Wayne, which is sort of like how year one described him when he came back, there's paparazzi and they're like, they're trying to link him to princess grace or something like that, which was someone that was probably, I think that was the princess that was, had to be popular in the eighties. Cause I don't remember who she was, but <laughs> or made a bit of a made up person. So I think it was a made up. I think it was made up. <laughs> yeah. So, Again, we also have a big focus on James Gordon being the, the no, the, how would you describe him? He's, he's a cop that believes in being a cop, right? I mean, he is, does stuff that needs to get done. Obviously he bends the rules and he even says that I think in year one, he goes, we're going to bend the rules. We're not going to break them because his also his MO is to do the right thing and not break the law because he's coming there, which we find out later in this thing is that he is coming from Chicago to Gotham because he worked with IA to bust a dirty cop. And they go, no matter what you do after the fact, you can't be with the rest of those cops because they're always going to be worried about you ratting on them. And he's just, he wants to do the right thing. So we see him coming here and sort of already getting, I would say, you know, right off the train, he's just like, he doesn't want to be here. And his partner Flass is just like beating up the Hare Krishna guy and beating up these random street people. And I could just see him already in his head. He's going, I don't want to be a part of this whole thing. So he's one guy, especially like we said, with his character in the movie with Jeffrey Wright portraying him. I wonder how much they're going to base it off of him being, because like I said here, they have him described as he is a lieutenant. And so, yes, he is a lieutenant when he comes, isn't he a lieutenant? Yeah, he's a lieutenant when he comes over from Chicago in year one. And because we always see him, his timeline go from lieutenant to captain to Commissioner Gordon, which is what we mainly know him from in the main full-fledged Batman 20, 30 years in the making type thing. So you guys have any thoughts so far on the year one, as far as what you basically, I guess we'll basically just talk about like what we enjoyed about it, what we thought 
how much of it's going to carry over and stuff. Because again, Batman isn't one of those characters that really needs to have much explanation done to it. But I think that they're going to take a really good um, turn at it here with what they're planning on or what they're trying to convey with how he's dealing with becoming this mass vigilante. Yeah, I think uh, just talking about year one specifically, we're going to get a lot more of Batman, I think, coming from year one, this very roguish, inexperienced character. But I think it also is important to note, I believe in one of the trailers, he actually talks directly to Commissioner Gordon, which basically never happens in year one. At this point, he still hates him as a vigilante. So looking forward, it's probably going to be their relationship is lifted a little bit more from Long Halloween, but we're going to get this Batman that doesn't know how to be Batman yet, probably going to get himself in trouble, probably going to be put in a bunch of corners and has to, you know, run and gun his way out in the same way that we saw him kind of leaping from buildings in this, you know, he's got to figure out how to do that. And wrestling internally, they do a lot of this internal dialogue of Bruce's in these comics, which I found really kind of refreshing as normally we just have the characters are talking to each other, but he's like really wrestling with these two sides of himself. And I, you can kind of see some of that in the trailer and you kind of hear Selena or whoever it is that's questioning him. Like you could be doing more for Gotham. And I kind of wonder if they're going to show that or if they're just going to portray it. Yeah. And as you say that, I actually think there's a good chance. um, I know some of the comics following this, like directly in line after he starts to get in arguments with Alfred. And I have to wonder, instead of having this internal struggle, are they going to portray it as Alfred is very opposed to what he's doing out on the street? And then he has to kind of defend himself and say, no, I'm doing this for the right reasons, not just going out and, you know, beating up on random criminals. Right. And that's actually a great point because their description of Alfred Pennyworth in the movie is he's Batman's butler and mentor, though they have a hostile relationship at the moment and they rarely speak. And Pennyworth is Batman's only confidant, confidant, even though Pennyworth thinks he's gone insane. So he is at that point where this is such new from his perspective from Pennyworth and just going like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, because even in here, we see in year one, the first, what was it? The first um, thing he tries to stop is those three kids that are robbing that apartment. And I don't even think he has like a mask on or anything, does he? Or no, he just has like a scar on his face. Yeah, he's walking through the East and he just, he put some <laughs> makeup on. Yeah. Oh, that's right. When he just gets, yeah, he gets attacked and then he gets brought back. And then that's when he has the epiphany about the whole, when the bats that's bust through the window and it's just like, I guess yeah. I'm going to be Batman. So just um, as a casting note, like I'm glad they're going younger with Alfred because if they're, you know, if this movie's being based in let's say quote present times, it doesn't make sense for Alfred to have been a war medic, like a field medic in a war when he's ancient. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's an, I like that choice for a new movie going forward. Yeah, because he still has some years on. I mean, Andy Serkis is, I think, in his early 50s. So he could play an older, grizzled guy, but still have that mentor type Alfred, you know, persona to him, too. So, um, some of the good things that I like and I think that they're going to bring over in this film is the way that Jim butts heads and sort of circumvents the policing system with, you know, oh, he has. And again, this is also what's cool is that even though he's not listed, there is Barry Kogan who played um, Druig in Eternals is playing Stanley Merkel, who is pretty much like Jim's confidant police officer. He always has him like he's on his side and he's like, Merkel, go do this before, uh, What's his face? The SWAT captain guy shows up, who I think actually he's listed as being in the movie too. Um, I That's something I look forward to. Yeah, this is some very interesting news. I didn't know about that <laughs> Breaking one. News. Do, 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 do. Yeah, they don't have anyone listed as Flash yet or as um, the guy who is, oh, Brandon. Brandon is the mm-hmm. SWAT captain who always is taking. It's uh, just like killing everybody. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. gets the miss. He just gets the stuff right from the commissioner, who is played by. Hold on, it's listed here. Um, 
I saw this earlier and I was like, okay, cool. They're going with that. Alex Ferns plays Commissioner Pete Savage. So he's not the same guy or same character, but he is sort of like a corrupt person because Gotham doesn't start getting cleaned up in a sense until Jim takes over as captain and then commissioner. Mm-hmm. We sort of see it pretty much as much as it's been, it was up and down. I enjoyed the Gotham TV show that was on Fox. And that sort of has the same thing where it had Jim as being a detective and then brought up and then sort of having all of, even his partner, Donald Logue's character was butting heads with him. And then it's just like, you, you have to, even though it's everyone's corrupt, doesn't mean you have to be corrupt too. So he does, you know, he might be a good cop, but in this thing, he's not the greatest person. You know, he's not, oh, the, sorry, no. he's not the greatest husband. <laughs> I don't need that in the movie. <laughs> no, because he's sitting there and his main focus is on the fact, and this is always what gets me, Barbara Gordon. Sometimes Barbara Gordon's his wife. Sometimes Barbara Gordon's his daughter. Depends on if it's Catwoman or this. So sometimes when I'm watching, I'm like, okay, that's weird. That's his, okay, that's his wife, Barbara. Okay, that's fine then. It took me a minute to work through that. Yeah. (laughs) They get there and they get to Gotham. She's pregnant. And he's sort of just like, I hope that it turns out negative. And then I hope it's a boy. And this whole time, because again, it is year one. It takes place over the course of the year. She's pregnant. She gives birth later on in the comics. But he kisses his partner, person that's you know they i don't know i saw that he works long hours they're thrust together a lot he can't help himself blah 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 right and the fact is (laughs) they don't show it just as that one kiss because then they show another scene in there in their office and then it's sort of just like and he gets her jewelry like excuse me no thank you sir yeah she should have divorced him yeah, that was bad, and I, I think there's a reason we have yet to see that come to film or television. I think they're just trying to keep the very altruistic and lovable Commissioner Gordon that we've kind of grown with over the course of it being like Gary Oldman stuff. Yes. I don't think we could have handled Gary Oldman doing that as well. Like, we need the good light to him. We can't handle this darkness that's also inside him a little bit. Right, and I think we may we may see some of that in this one, because this, like we said, the movie itself, I think is going to be a character study on Bruce and, or as Batman and Jim forming a, uh, an alliance, so to speak, where we may see the first, you know, bat signal and stuff like that. And cause even in this one, Harvey Dent was the one that was using Batman first. Cause that one episode, or was that in the long Halloween though? No, there's part of, there's an yeah. issue where he's hiding under her. He's, he's hiding. Yeah. He's hiding behind the desk. When Gordon comes in, he's like, is it you? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Batman's yeah, I'm like, not Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so <funny. laughs> um, yeah. And again, both of these have the main thing is focused on the Falcone crime family. So, Again, that seems to be more of a, I wouldn't say it's, it's a, it's a more down to earth type of villain because those are more things that people can relate to. And I think even on this one, they're going with the last, the less comic booky and more real life gritty type versions of it. Cause I even like, I mean, when I saw the way that the Riddler is going to be, you know, shown with his outfit and stuff like that. I'm like, that's, that's cool. It's not the big Jim Carrey, even with the big question mark and the, the leotards and stuff like that. And they're trying to make it a little bit more based on a Gotham is not a place where, you know, people like that are going to be running around and not being, you know, no, you could be a Batman and stuff like that. And you can be just in, I wouldn't say incognito, but if you're out there wearing purple and green and a big, question mark on it you're gonna stick out like a sore thumb so it works differently it works in the campy stuff like the 66 batman but and stuff like that i think that they nailed the the way that they're having him being portrayed in the movie so um let's see what else was this thing where they had yeah i mean pretty much at the end of the day with this is that they go and yeah like I said, the way that this ends, Jim gets promoted to captain. They mentioned Joker at the end because there's this guy that's doing damage. And then Jim's like, 
well, I've got a friend that can come and help me. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. like, you know I that that's, that there's, you know, in the end, Bruce saves Barbara and Jim's baby. Yes. And he saves him as Bruce. Yes. And that's how Gordon figures it out. And so I love that. So I, I would love if there was something like that where he knows who he is really, but he keeps it quiet. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep, that could be cool because there, there is always that way that they are because going into like the long Halloween with the, another big relationship between Selena and Bruce, we find out that, you know, they know each other, who they are. Catwoman and Batman are one thing and Selena and Bruce are another thing, but Selena knows who Bruce is and Bruce knows who Selena is, but they sort of make it seem like they don't, but it's like, it's gotta be out. That's another thing we talked about before about our suspension of disbelief. Sometimes it's like, how can you not tell? who these people are like Robin in like the stuff when literally he just has like a, like you can see who that is. People believe what they want to believe though. Yeah. And they tell themselves all sorts of lies about even the people closest to them when they have to. It's to me, that's yeah. not so unbelievable, honestly. No, but even something like how about like with Clark Kent, just putting on glasses and taking the that little swirly curl out. Stretch. Right. But it gives <laughs> you the whole curl. Yeah, just the, 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 the curl in the less glasses, so. Now I want some ice cream. All right. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know, like on a cone, you get the little swirl. The okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that, so. <laughs> I think lots of places. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, do you guys have anything more to say about year one, or do you want to start talking about what we covered for the, la- the long Halloween? Um, mm-hmm. I think just the last note. Of and it's a real connection point between these two comics that we're probably going to see in the movie now that I think about it is the fact that Selena was trying to steal something from Falcone and actually I didn't realize because I read these backwards I read year one a while back read Long Halloween and then reread year one I didn't realize she was the one that gave him those scars across his face when she was going to steal all of those things in year one so there's probably going to be some connection point of that's how she meets Batman is probably trying to steal something from Falcone. Batman steps in and then they have to have this. All right. I guess we need to work together to help figure out what's going on uh, with all of these crime families and stuff. Yeah. I like that aspect in year one where the the press kept calling her like she thought they thought it was Batman. And then they're like, oh, this is other person. That's got to be Batman's assistant. Then She's, <laughs> She's like, are you so kidding offended. me? I literally am in a black. She's like, I'm doing this myself, boys. (laughs) 
But yeah, that it was true. I remember when I'm seeing that the whole Falcone thing was that it was based out of, especially in year one when he was getting the, um, again, nope, that's probably long Halloween when he was <laughs> eavesdropping on him and he's about ready to get them to rat uh, the his nephew to rat someone out. And then Selena shows up like, are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> 10 more seconds. We already had the hard proof to finally put Falcone away. So. <laughs> and that was year one. And that's why I'm like, there was this weird crossover that I didn't realize quite as much that they ended year one on the note that long Halloween kind of picked up on despite it being like, I think close to a year after those events. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Andrew um, helped me pick these comics. So he gets a lot of credit for making those connections. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We were grasping at straws. And then like two days ago, DC posted something on their Instagram that said, here's the comics to read. And it was I the know. ones we had already picked out. So we were you like, okay, we're good. That's cool. <laughs> Nailed um, it. <laughs> the long Halloween is really good too. It would have been one of those things that would have been, if we would have had just that to cover, we could have done like we're going to do with Moon Knight where we break up the run into like three episodes because we did pick you. When you pick something like this, you got to pick the first and the last because it bookends it. And when then we picked the two in the middle, it kind of glosses over the fact that like how Two-Face becomes Two-Face and why he get did what he did. And I chose uh, the middle ones specifically for the Bruce and Selena relationship focus. Right. And especially because we don't need the Harvey Dent focus on it because Probably as far not, as we yeah. know, he's not in the movies. With that being said, watch the two parts on HBO max because they are very, this is a good story in the sense of how it basically at the end of it, when you figure out what's going on, you're sort of just like, Oh crap. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then they explain how it ha- it's like, okay, that actually makes sense. So, Basically, the long Halloween is there's a killer called Holiday who's killing off all these people. Again, that's connected to the, the Falcone crime family in some way or another. It just happens to always be on a holiday. You know, the first one is on the first one is on Halloween, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hence the name, the long Halloween. Right, because yes. I'm, I was looking for it, and then um, yeah, and it was it was at the that's right because it was at the um, the uh, wedding reception for his nephew i think it's interesting to note that these were written by jeff loeb who at one time headed up marvel tv agents of shield and the netflix series and i find that fascinating i think he's um i knew he was a writer but i think writing is his strong suit there's a lot of stuff that we have covered between the two of them that we find out that especially like said frank miller seminal daredevil stuff the seminal batman stuff a lot of the guys even jack kirby wrote went and wrote and steve and um stan lee they both went and worked for dc at one point so yeah. nowadays it's sort of like everyone has a staple of their own writers but back in the 80s because this one came out in 97 i believe 96 96 yeah october of 96 and two and, and it ran 13 issues which by the way again when you're reading the first one and i'm pulling it up on the app and it's like first issue is 49 pages like all right it's a double issue and then the last one is i made a terrible mistake (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't as bad as and i remember Haley messaged me when she's like i just read year one man those early comics are wordy I, I mean, think that the year one ones took me longer to get through than this first one of the long Halloween. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Think about if we ever decide to go back or actually what we're going to do for like the uh, multiverse of madness. Some of those sixties Avengers runs, those things are like nine panels on a page and each page is crammed. So you're like a comic yeah. takes about 45 minutes to read. If you want to just read it because they just got everything. And take notes, in there. Yeah. So funny. Basically, the gist of this is is that they don't know who is they they are blaming everyone and their grandmother is this holiday killer. And at one point, I'm still kind of even confused, and maybe Andrew, you can sort of shed some light on this. When Alberto Falcone, who is the youngest son of Carmine, confesses to being the holiday killer. He wasn't had anything to do with the killings, though, did he? Because it was all 
you know, we'll get to it in a second here because I remember when he came back, he faked the death on New because they thought he was going to be the kill, the, the death that was on New Year's Eve on the boat. But then he faked his death and then they came back. But it turns out like he confessed to being the holiday killer to Dent. And then it was just like he was in prison and stuff, but like we don't really know. Like, well, but then they, they took that. What as was gospel. his motivation? Right. Uh- so I took this in a way of, and this is purely speculation on my part, but this is just going from the context we had. He wanted to be a bigger part of the family. His father wasn't letting him. No one wanted to let him in. So he just went insane and said, you know what? There's someone out there doing these holiday killings in my family. I like what they're doing. I'm going to fake my death and like pretend to be this person. And that's why they locked him up in Arkham at the end with calendar man and they were going back and forth naming holidays in the way that you could see two crazy people in cells across from each other just spouting off nonsense i just kind of took it well at first i took it as truth and then they give you the grand reveal in like the last two pages of the comic Mm -hmm. uh so i was like oh okay that kind of wraps it up a little bit and then at that point i just had to chalk it up to he went insane in some capacity and said i can get publicity by pretending to be the serial killer because they published enough information about how he was doing it with the gun with the rubbed off serial number with the tape on the handle with the baby bottle nipple like it wouldn't be hard for someone to replicate so that was just my guess is you know he wanted the claim to fame of doing it as opposed to actually doing okay it. so it was him basically getting back at his family that way saying i was the one doing this and then it also allowed the person that was it if need be to keep doing it because he knows himself that he wasn't the killer right and there is also the possibility because they don't fully flush it out there's the one killing right in the middle i don't know what issue it was but it was on the maroney side of the family Mm -hmm. and i wondered to myself did he commit that valentine's day i think yeah like what was he instead saying you know what i'm gonna do something good for my father and do this valentine's day killing take out the maroney crime family because that was one of the few that like didn't add up in this whole boat Mm -hmm. of killing off the falcons right right so it was sort of like but he was always yeah because maroney was always there as like the the main suspect because he's the rival to uh the falcone family so I was confused when I watched the movies. Did they they changed it from the comics, right? Yes. Okay. I'm glad I wasn't crazy because I was like watching it last night and I thought this is not what I just read in the comics. No. The Did big I not reveal read it very yeah. thoroughly. <laughs> so basically, the big reveal is is that the main holiday killer at first was Gilda Dent, Harvey's wife, because she was. Seeing the I, stuff. The first main reveal is that it's Harvey. I was right. about to say. Well, I mean that was, it, was, it was Harvey, but her being it also was. She was the first killer. She was the one that was doing it at first. It seems like in the comic, it had her motivation as this gets less work on Harvey's plate, so he could spend more time with me. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it made it seem like she was doing it because she was in love with Alberto, and they couldn't be together, and so. She was doing it to get back at his family for that whole thing, where it was sort I of like that. that ending better because me, my husband works too much, is like <laughs> really, guys. Right, but in <laughs> either one of them, you were just like, "Oh my god, it was her!" Because the whole movie right. they made her seem like she was meek and very like troubled and almost like on the verge, or maybe she had been committed and was out, and so that's why they were sort of wear using kid gloves around her and stuff like that. But it's like, no, she was a freaking killer. Yeah, and it was a gut punch of a reveal. I will say, I didn't see it coming. I can't remember. So she did it first, and then Dent picked up the mantle after her. In the he co- only yeah. kills he only kills Carmine. I thought she said he killed people at the beginning, and then she found his guns, figured out he was doing it, so then like started doing it in the wake of him doing. No, I think it was her, and then no, he found he found and then Alberto killed somebody. Oh crap! Because we did we read this. <laughs> Yeah, so he, he kills, yeah, Two-Face can summons Batman and confesses to killing the Roman, which is Carmine. And he tells Jim at the end that there were two killers. And so that's when, and this is in the comics version of it, 
it turns out that she was the real first holiday killer and she was doing it so Harvey wouldn't be so busy and she was reading his reports and stuff like that. And then that uh, Harvey picked up on it after she didn't do any of them after Alberto died. Which would have been New Year's. Year's. New Year's, right. So she only did like the first four because she did, she, she attempted to kill Alberto in both of them. But then don't forget, he sort of like, so that almost makes me think that they're, they're making it seem like Harvey is schizophrenic in himself after he becomes, like gets the acid on his face. But he also is sort of, I don't know if that's the persona he takes on and then becomes the holiday killer because he discovers that she did it. Or they leave that a little bit, I guess, up to interpretation too. So. Well, yeah, because even Dent saying there are two, he could be referring to himself. Yeah, he could be referring to yeah, Harvey but and that Two-Face. would be presuming he doesn't know that Gilda did any of the murders. Yeah, right. Because it, both... it is very ambiguous. This is the thing about comics, people. Sometimes they do this. It's challenging. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end, she's basically just throwing all the stuff into the furnace, and you see that she's got the the hat and the and the and Jim's or uh, Harvey's coat to make it people think that it was Harvey. Although they show like they're not even close to being the same size, so. You know, she's a lot, she's probably like a foot shorter than her or than him. So again, and this is the, disbelief. this is the one I don't want to be con- or contrary to what we're saying, but I just pulled the comic back up because I, I, I knew there was one line that stuck out in my head that she thinks Harvey killed uh, Alberto on New Year's because there was that whole mystery of his hair was wet despite him wearing a hat. Which, oh, that's right. So then okay. that I, I think that just added more question marks to what was going on in that moment because it was like, okay, did that mean you knew he was killing them or not? Like because then who was, was the killer wearing the hat? So yeah, and why who was did the first anyway? murder? Or, so that's maybe assuming that Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas and New Year's were all Harvey. Yeah, yeah we it, don't know. We don't, she we said know. she does the first three, and then she brings up that question of what happened on New Year's. I bet this is why they changed it for the movies. Yeah. This, and this discussion right here. <laughs> and what I was going to say is this is not unheard of at all for Batman. And I think the community likes it a little bit because uh, for anyone who actually sees the killing joke movie or reads that graphic novel, they leave the ending extraordinarily ambiguous. Right. And it's a yes. huge debate in the Batman fandom. I would not be surprised if after this comic came out, however many years ago, it was another one of those debates. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's one of the things I like too, is the fact that I mentioned it so many times on this podcast is that I like when they take an idea, even when they're Marvel doesn't do stories like that. And even only DC does them when they're doing the animated stuff. But if you change enough stuff, it it keeps the people on their toes. Otherwise, you're watching it going, I know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. So when they take a concept like when we were watching Hawkeye, they took the Matt Fraction run as a influence, an influence on it, but it didn't do it verbatim. So it hit a lot of key points, but it didn't end up being the same ending because otherwise it'd just be like, okay. You oh, know, already, um, seen it already, already knew that. Yeah. There are certain things I like to see done verbatim i think maybe that's why i despise that wheel of time tv show so much is because it just took the book and it's like okay here's the structure we're gonna throw it out (laughs) everyone has different it's the whole point of the book is completely different so it's like okay that just shocks you but anyways um oh you guys got anything else to say about these things we read or just about the dark knight in general but the batman um, I would say I'd be remiss coming from the animation side of things, not talking about the art a little bit. I was very hesitant going into the long Halloween. So if anyone was like looking to pick up this comic and read it, I would say, A, the story is fantastic. B, I know the art can be a little bit kind of, it looks very hand-drawn at the beginning. But when you hit those points of like the murder pictures where it's just a whole page of art, I thought every single one of those is absolutely stunning. So anyone who is, you know, looking for good art in your comics, I would definitely recommend this as a read just because a lot of those full frame ones that they were doing just to get the point across of Batman and Catwoman leaping across the moon is one that comes to mind, I think in the first issue. And I just absolutely loved looking at that scene. So uh, 
I, I have to, you know, spread my wings a little bit when it comes to the art side of things. I've always mm-hmm. appreciated that a little bit more, and that's why I love comics as well. But yeah, that was that was one thing I did want to bring up was it's a little weird, and I know getting into it might be weird, but trust me, it kind of pays off at times. Mm-hmm. And that is Tim Sale, who I looked this up before, and I'm looking up now. He pretty much is exclusively collaborates with Jeff Loeb. So if Loeb mm-hmm. writes it, Sale draws it. So that just I love shows. all the cover art um, on the Long Halloween. Yeah, they yeah, the covers cool. are fun. And I actually really loved the year one art style. I like that more simple style. It's actually similar to the Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye that Brian just mentioned. Um, not very, very tons angular. of detail. Yeah, very yeah. angular. Uh, just, I don't know, just kind of transports me back to another time. Just like when I was younger. I don't know why, but that's that kind of made me think of that. Yeah. And the one thing I guess too is that like when you're watching the animated stuff, it all has that Bruce Tim looking style of animation. So they don't take the animation or the drawing from the comic and put it into the animated movie. It pretty much has the I think Batman only has or sorry, DC only has one differentiation is when they do like that anime style for like the like Ninja Batman and some of the anime direct stuff, but the rest of it is all pretty much that Bruce Tim. The Batman animated series, the stuff that was big in the nineties has a big, you know, influence on their style and stuff like that. So, and also I really appreciated in the long Halloween. I thought Jensen Ackles did a great job playing Bruce. So, mm-hmm. and Josh Duhamel did a great job as Harvey Dent. Yeah. And I found I out too that the, the the person that did Selena in the Long Halloween was that person that was on Glee who I just Naya Rivera. Yeah, she died last year. She did she drowned or something like that. She's dead. Yeah, oh, she was um, really sad. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. If, yeah, because I, I think one of them they even said that they um, dedicated the, one of the first like I think at the end of part one to her. Yeah, she died mm-hmm. drowning July eighth of twenty twenty. Oh, that's awful. She was swimming with her four-year-old son, and she saved the son, but then she ended up uh, dying. But anyways, I don't want to end up. Well, she does a magnificent job as Selena Kyle. Yes, yes. She does. And I'm sure Zoe Kravitz will do a magnificent job too. I'm actually, I'm so looking forward to this, the Batman. You know, it's. I was at Uncharted on Friday night. We went to the movies, and there was another Batman trailer, and I'm just. I don't know. I got me really hyped and I knew I get to talk to you guys in a few days about it. So I was looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. We, as much as we get Batman, it feels like all the time out of DC. I'm always excited for each iteration because one mountain I will die on is that I can defend every single Batman as being good. Like I could tell you <laughs> the goods and bads of each of them. I don't think any single one of them is horrible. So I'm just excited to see what the next iteration is. What does Robert Pattinson bring? You know, mm-hmm. how does he differentiate himself from Affleck and Bale and Burton? And Batman's your favorite character, right? I've heard yes. you say such things on the podcast. I, I feel <laughs> like I have to say Batman's my favorite because saying Dick Grayson as Robin is my favorite is kind of like, oh, okay, you just had to be different. Because like Batman's <laughs> just the better version because he can fight better. He has the gadgets. He has the money. He recruits Dick Grayson. But at the same time, Dick Grayson is the idealized version of batman so i tend to like that a little bit better but yeah batman if i had to say is my favorite just because you know you everyone grew up with batman so yeah. i've been rewatching the animated series on hbo max just for fun oh it's so good it's okay. so good andrew can you defend Clooney? yes okay Clooney didn't do anything wrong oh no Joel i'm just saying I'm, I'm just saying he's yeah he's that that whole like thing Clooney is a little bit you know Everybody phoned it in a little bit in that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think the biggest thing is everyone wants Batman to be this gruff, over-the-top guy. And if when you read this comic, he totally is gruff and totally out there. He's dressed up as a thug on the street, beating up guys, pimping out people. That's what a lot of people expect out of their Batman. But as you get further along in the comics, you get the playboy Bruce Wayne that is still throwing parties that is still having fun. And generally speaking in the comics, it's after 
Robin appears at that point. He kind of realizes I can be a dad. I can have a little bit of fun being Batman. I can have fun being Bruce. And that's when Alfred starts to come around to his nighttime activities is when he has the, you know, child life wonder back in his life. And I feel like Clooney did kind of sell that much more jovial, uh, Bruce Wayne attitude. That's, you know, some of the others haven't like, I think Christian Bale did a bad job of, you know, doing the jovial side. He did a great year one Batman, but he never, we never got to see him do the fun. Let me throw a party Bruce Wayne. Right. I think that was what he was. Nolan was trying to get away from the Burton Keaton version of him being more up, you know, because that was, oh, yeah. don't forget, that was the time when everyone was going, you know, making it more gritty comics and everyone was trying to be like, you know, that. And then all of a sudden here comes Iron Man and makes it fun again. And so then they're just like, Oh, we're going to be make it fun. Cause they're, they're comics at the bottom the end of the day. So, you know, like I said, I, I'm the same way. I've enjoyed every version of Batman in itself. Batman and Robin has a lot of redeeming qualities to it. I was just questioning. It'll make you laugh if nothing else. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) I I was prepared to have a debate on this. I knew it was going to come up at some point. I was ready to go. I (laughs) rewatched all of those. And uh, I used to watch Batman and Robin all the time. (laughs) And then when I was rewatching, I was like, this is so great in all of its campy glory. It's bad. Yes. I mean, they have so many costume changes in between battle scenes. And I'm like, I'm glad you had time to change into your ice outfits from your other ones. (laughs) But you just have to laugh. I mean, it's great. (laughs) That takes inspiration straight from the, the Adam West, you know, Batman TV show from the sixties where that was just like camp personified, you know, all Batman and Robin needed was the, the pow, bam, you know, bubbles that pop up between, you know, when they punch someone instead of it actually, you know, doing it to make it seem a little bit more, um, it's folk went full camp, but yeah, again, you never know what to expect. I think this one is going to have more of the Nolan type feel to it. I don't know how much, especially if they're describing Bruce as being conflicted and not knowing, I mean, how much humor you could have humor in it. It's not going to be a level of, say like a like an eternals where it's a serious thing but there's also a lot of comedic aspect to it there could be characters that come into this and make it be feel a little bit lighthearted because if it's that much of a serious movie it can end up being it can make it feel like it's almost three hours long so yeah, i need a little humor mixed in with my serious because i'll be honest and i i will go on this limb by myself if i have to i don't love the christopher nolan movies they're fine, That's but fair. they're not the ones I'd want to watch over no. and over again. If we're talking about that, I can give you a quick ranking of mine. They go in order of release as my favorites. I mean, I think <laughs> I think Batman Begins is one of the best. In my mind, it is the best Batman movie. Just for, for my, I love Dark Knight too, but I love those the the training scenes and stuff like that, and his like origin of some of the stuff, and you know. I would have just thought too. I mean, it rivals that scene in the Dark Knight Rises when they're explaining him getting out of that. Um, what do you want to call it? It was like the the hole the in the ground, the pit. Yeah. So that just uh, that feels. I mean, his backstory and his training to become Batman works well. But overall, the whole. You know, Liam Neeson is freaking fantastic in that movie too. So in Batman Begins. So anyways, um, all right. Final thoughts on anything here? Nope. No. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us in yeah. on our show here. Yes. Thank uh, you guys again for having me. Yeah, no problem. Perhaps you'll be back for more DC. They've got some good stuff coming out this year. Yep. Yes, they do. As much as it was sort of again campy, I loved the Aquaman movie, and so they got that the the second one coming out. I don't make that face on the camera here, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to Black Adam as well. I'm looking for. I mean, again, yeah. this could be. I, I think this is next year or not. But my favorite DC EU movie, without a doubt, is Shazam. 
I love that movie so much because, again, that takes the very serious part of it, but also is such a fun movie, too. And plus, I think that might be uh, skewed from the fact that I love Zach Levi ever since I saw him <laughs> in Chuck. You know, that's probably like one of my top 10 favorite TV shows of all time. And I think he nailed it as Shazam, too. So that's, again, that's down the line here. So is there any way that you can be reached at all or other than, you know, being on animation deliberation or get anything else going on right now? No, nothing else besides that. Um, I, I mean, I run the social media for animation deliberation. So if anyone wants to interact with me over there, that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, Instagram and Facebook specifically. You do a great job. Yes, very much so. Well, what about my best? I appreciate it. <laughs> what about our socials there, Haley? We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on the Facebook, and that's it. <laughs> it- and Don't you can email us at sparkpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please do so. And also check out all the other cool shows at strandedpanda.com. We got, like aforementioned, Animation Deliberation. They cover Marvel, obviously. Star mm-hmm. Wars, Star Trek. They're doing Orville. They're doing... Um, what are you doing right now? We are doing... I don't know what... Oh, um... Peacemaker. Not you. I wasn't asking you. I was oh. asking Andrew what they're oh. doing right now. <laughs> oh, right, right now, uh, actually, just a couple hours ago, I recorded Attack on Titan, uh, the first part of the first season with Zuhair. We are going to be gunning through all of Attack on Titan to try and catch up before the finale. So any anime fans, this is a good one. And if you're not an anime fan, go watch it anyway. It's a really good show. Yes. So I guess on that note, um, we'll, we will not have an episode next week. We are taking a week off. I'm going to be My on fault. vacation. <laughs> well, I'll be on vacation and Haley, it is working, big, working <laughs> and also someone's birthday too. So I'm yeah, be so 21. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back the week after that with our, our next episode will actually be our reaction to the Batman, and then we delve into the Jeff Lemire Moon Knight run. So we go from the Dark Knight to the Moon Knight. So yep. that means check I need out to post our... those comics. I will do that soon. Yes. <laughs> All right. So until next time, remember two things be excellent to each other and never judge a book by its movie. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, 300. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Source Pages, a reading collective, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email sparkpodcast at gmail.com. That's spark with a C. Or follow us on Twitter at SourcePagesCast. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash spchat. And remember, let reading spark your imagination. Hello there. <laughs> oh, man. That one, actually, that one actually hurt a bit. I was, was like, <laughs> I can't imagine I was, all these people that do that. Try, and then I was like, no. Nope. <laughs> I mean, if that, I just, just, <laughs> if that just hurts me like doing that, I can just imagine. Actually, uh, uh, my friend like Chris Mock. sound like a zombie. <laughs> Back in like the early nineties, my friend Chris Mock was in like he was a singer for like a screamcore band, and now his voice constantly sounds like he's gargling, you know, shards yeah. of glass. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no thanks. On your vocal cords. Yeah. All right.